Hello everyone, this is your host Ramakrishna from Usha Investment Group LLC. Welcome back to Multifamily AP360, the show where we discuss 360 degrees views on mindset, passive and active multifamily investing. For those who are looking for tips, strategies, best and challenging experiences. Also, I request you to share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Today's our guest is Jay Tenenbaum from Scottsdale Real Estate Investments. Welcome, Jay. Good morning or good afternoon or good evening, wherever you may be from. Thank you for having me. Sure. Thank you very much, Jay. And a little bit about Jay. Jay is a 20-year legal veteran in the debt collection arena and specializes in negotiation involving loan modifications and successful workouts. He is a nationally recognized expert in discounted real estate investing and has particular expertise in discounted mortgage notes. He speaks regularly at investment conferences across the country on these topics. So with that, Jay, you want to add anything to your background? No, I've been a real estate investor since 2013. Um, I haven't practiced law since 2012, and I don't miss it for for the world. Cool. How did you get into real estate investing? Certainly. So I like to say that I've been in debt all my life, just not personally. I was a debt collection attorney, had a law practice in Anaheim, California with my wife for 20 years, um, got out of the practice in 2012, um, actually between 2009 and 2012, uh, I was investing in judgment liens in California and with a business model of executing the judgments, uh, enforcing the judgments against real property. So I learned a little bit more about title and you know real estate, et cetera. Prior to that, the only real estate experience that I had was uh, living and owning my own homes, right? Um, and then in August of 2013, I had an opportunity to go to um, some innocuous guy, Scott Carson, uh, for four-day note buying for dummies workshop. And I'm sitting in this workshop and going, hmm, this is just a different debt instrument than what I've been dealing with in collections and forcing judgments, et cetera, all my, all my career. So, you know, just another another debt instrument to pursue and, and you know, made a made a niche and a career out of it ever since. Awesome. So you're into uh, 20 years legal veteran and also in the debt collection arena, specialization in negotiation in one loan modification and successful worker. So would you share a little bit more about that? Sure. So when I got started investing in, in distressed mortgages, my start, you know, I cut my teeth um, buying, you know, back in 13, 14, 15, you know, when most properties were still underwater coming out of the crash, I'm buying houses all over the country. I'm buying the mortgages against the houses, single family, one to four units all over the country. Um, the house, typical house was around 50,000. The unpaid balance of the note was probably around 80,000. As I said, the, the property was underwater. Um, I'm buying these loans for about 10 grand. And so if I called the borrower, which I had because of my debt collection experience, I have the skill, expertise, and, 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 and ability to communicate with a borrower and not violate, you know, the debt collection, you know, laws, et cetera. And um, I did a, you know, a, a ton of keeping borrowers in their homes and working, you know, out the modification. I mean, you know, I'm not, you know, the big bad, you know, Chase Bank of America who would need to take three weeks to make a decision. If I've got you on the phone and I bought a loan for 10 grand and you're offering me $300 a month, I mean, that's a 36% return. I mean, how long do you think it would take me to make, to make that answer of yes, right? Um, so I gained a lot of cash flow in my in my investment career right away. Kept a lot of borrowers in their in their homes, um, and then you know since then we've leveled up, scaled up. I mean we're buying asset, you know, we're buying mortgages against assets that are 
you know, two, three, four hundred thousand dollar houses these days. Different dynamic, different opportunity, more prop, more profit. Uh, when you're, when you, when you, you know, buying low value assets it takes a lot, a lot of volume to, to generate, you know, six figure cash flow. Which we, which, which so we kind of, you know, went a little bigger with it in regards to that as we've leveled up. You know, over the course, I've done now over 500 deals since 2013. That is. So once you acquire those properties, once you get it from the borrowers, so what are your next steps? What exactly you, what kind of business plan you guys are executing? So, um, you know, when you're buying the low value assets that you're, you're generating the cash flow, you can either keep the cash flow or sell or resell the note as a value add, right? Um, and you do a lot of that. Um, when we're buying the higher value assets, you know, the returns to generate to our investors aren't that great doing a loan mod. I mean, when you're buying a loan for, you know, now a couple hundred thousand dollars and the mortgage payment that you're modifying is like only, you know, $1,500, $2,000, the rate of return isn't that great. Um, so most likely you're, bit, you know, you're, you're taking it to foreclosure. Um, we've experienced a lot in this market of getting paid off at auction. Um, for example, let's say, the house is worth five hundred thousand, and we're we're only owed about three hundred, right? If you put your yourself in the shoes of an investment flipper who attends these auction sales as an acquisition strategy, right? They're going to pay three hundred thousand dollars for that house and try to pick it up at auction, and that's all we're owed. Um, so we got paid off a lot at auction in two thousand twenty-one on our assets. Strategically, we may take some back because because the legal balance is higher than the, than the value or close to the value. So if you put yourself in the shoes. Of that investment flipper the price that we set the bid at isn't attractive enough for them to want to buy it so we take it back because you know we've we're into it at a much lower discount than they would be buying it for so if we fix and flip it ourselves we can make a profit as well we've got several um flips going on all over the country right now got it got it so and you you might be investing in multiple states how do you manage like out of state rental portfolios good question so i've invested in at least 40 i've invested in 40 different states during the course of my career at least one one asset um in that state you learn how to build teams in those states your teams are your realtor your contractor your property manager it's a referral network the right the right realtor knows the right contractors the right property managers the right property managers knows the right contractors as well yeah in this market it's tough to find you know the right contractors because everybody's you know busy or or booked up or what have you um but at the end of the day you know, you can build a team in any, in just about any city. Um, you may kiss a few frogs getting there, finding the right people, but we've got teams established in, you know, any jurisdiction, any market that we're playing in. Oftentimes when we're buying these mortgage notes, we get them in a spreadsheet of, a, you know, of 5, 10, 50, 90, 900, whatever it is. Um, so we don't necessarily get to cherry pick saying, I want to invest only in New Orleans, Louisiana, right? There may be an asset or two in New Orleans, but there's going to be assets all over, you know, let's say several assets in Louisiana, but they may not necessarily be in New Orleans. So you've got to be able to not only develop teams in a particular state, but also in a particular market, a particular city, which again, it's the same process. You find, you, you know, you go on to Zillow or whatever, you find, you know, some recently sold house that is close to your, the, the, the house that you've got the mortgage, that you're thinking about buying the mortgage on, and you call that person who sold that house and you establish a relationship. So we have a specific, you know, exit plan or business plan. And also do you focus on specific market, multiple deals or one deal or how exactly you, you are strategizing that? So we, we bought, we buy opportunistically. Um, like I said, we, we're, la we're lazy. I have relationships with bank, banks and hedge funds all over the country that bring me their deals on a regular basis. 
So again, I'm not necessarily maybe to pick and choose that I only want to invest in New Orleans or Pittsburgh or whatever, but I'm looking at a spreadsheet with multiple assets on it in a variety of different markets. Our analyst team um, analyzes each asset from a value perspective. My asset management team looks at it in terms of where we are in the legal process. What's the story behind that, that, that particular note as best we can glean from the servicing notes. And, you know, we take it from there. Obviously, if I'm buying a loan that's three quarters through finish, starting foreclosure, I'm finishing the foreclosure. As I said before, you know, if I'm buying it right and my legal balance is, you know, much less than the value of the property, I'm probably going to get taken out at an auction, right? Which is fine, right? We model it out. We, we make we make it available and, you know, and, we, and, the, and our investors get a distribution off, off of that. If we take it back after sale, I mean, basically buying distressed mortgage notes is just, as I like to say, the lazy person's way of asset acquisition, right? I'm not out there door knocking. I'm not out there, um, you know, mining pre-REO lists and things like that. You know, I'm getting tapes. I'm getting spreadsheets of assets to look at to determine whether or not I want to buy them or not. I take them where I find them. They're either foreclosure has started or it hasn't. It's either going to be performing currently or it's not and a variety of mix. And that, and that while there's no guarantee or certainty of what my exit may be, I'm resourceful and I'm adaptable because in this note space, we have about, I don't know, with including variations of, 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 a, stable, of a, a common exit strategy, we've probably got over 20 different exit strategies, you know, variations upon variations of, of some. But I mean, you know, I can keep a borrower in the home and do a loan mod. I, the borrower could pay me off. Um, I could get the borrower to give me back a property in a deed in lieu. I could, you know, take the property back, flip it, rent it, sell or finance it. I could, you know, get taken out at auction. I mean, that's just a, a you know, a small, a small host of what what's possible. So, and what kind of due diligence you would perform on these uh, properties? So, okay, so what we do is a variety of different things. Our analyst team values the house itself. And remember, we're buying mortgage notes. We're buying the paper against the property. Bank of America originates the loan. They sell it to Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs sells to hedge fund A. Hedge fund A sells to hedge fund B for you know for a few basis points more. And then they sell. And then they, then these assets come available to make to us to actually work through them, right? Um, so our analysts are looking at. We may never own that. Like I said, if we get taken out an auction. We may never own, we would have never owned that house. We own the mortgage against the house, but we don't own, we own the paper, we don't own the house. But our analyst team is still looking at the valuation of the property. Because if we do take it back, we've got to know what 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 it's worth. Um, it dictates what our price is. Um, it dictates what our potential exits are. Um, and then on the um, asset management side, we're looking through the title reports. We want to know that, as I mentioned before, that when Goldman Sachs sold it to hedge fund A or Bank of America sold it to Goldman Sachs, the note, the mortgage was assigned from Bank of America to Goldman Sachs. We want to make sure that the assignment from Goldman Sachs to hedge fund A is there and the assignment from hedge fund A to hedge fund B is there. We get the assignment of the mortgage and that's how the transfer takes place. It's not because we're not dealing with real property. It's transferred by assignment. So we want to make sure the assignment trail chain is, is intact. Um, we also want to make sure um, that we are in first position on the, on the, on the mortgage. There isn't any um, prior you know, liens or, or mortgages ahead of us for buying first position mortgages. Um, we also look at, you know, like I said, the, the servicer history, what is going, what has, what is and what has gone on with this, with this note. We look at what the outstanding taxes are. You know, the borrower is not paying their mortgage. They're probably not paying their taxes either. We want to make sure that the tap property hasn't been lost to tax sale. 
So that's a kind of a, of a cursory nutshell of, of our diligence that we do. Got it. Any best experiences with, you know, uh, note investing? Um, you know, every note that we do, especially on the exits, have a story. Um, some of them are good. Some of them are, you know, are interesting. I mean, really, you know, what day is it? I mean, like I said, in 2021, we got paid off at auction a lot, you know, experienced some delays in getting paid off. Uh, you know, we bought a loan in Hawaii back in April of last year of 2021. It went to auction in June. We got at the at the auction, we set our minimum bid at, you know, the $340,000 we were owed. We bought it for like 285. We knew we'd get taken out at auction. Third parties who attended the sale um, bid it up to up well, well over 340 uh, in about 15 minutes. Um, Hawaii requires the court to um, reopen, to confirm the sale, but also give other bidders the opportunity to rebid the property. And because of COVID delays, because they want an in-person hearing, um, the confirmation hearing didn't happen until January. At that point in time, the bid, the bidding was reopened and our, our successful bidder in June ended back up with the property in January, but now had to pay $545,000 for it. So, I mean, you know, the market's just crazy. Um, you know, we, we've done, like I said, after 500 deals, you know, the stories are stories. I mean, you know, I get Christmas cards from borrowers that, you know, I've done loan mods with and, and, and keep them in their homes. You know, some stories are, are you know, memorable. Um, we've got one right now. We have a, we own it. We actually own the property to, through foreclosure in Connecticut. And our occupant isn't a tenant and he's not the borrower. He started living there about six years ago from some arrangement he made with the borrower who then subsequently died. And this guy is fighting tooth and nail and nail and tooth to stay in this house that he has no right to stay in. Um, he's filed all kinds of frivolous motions and pleadings and, and lawsuits and everything else, all which gets denied just to stay in his house. We're supposed to get, he's supposed to be locked out yesterday. Yesterday, the constable shows up. He barricades himself to, the, to his house and won't let anybody get, a, get access. The police get called. The police won't do anything for fear of, <clears throat> of getting sued. So now we're now now I had a place to call this morning to the mayor of Stanford, Connecticut, to get her to intercede to direct her police department to help our constable get this guy out of his house. Yeah, interesting story. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for sharing that. So, so and uh, what has been the keys to your success? Um, the keys to our success: being opportunistic is is first and foremost. In the very beginning, I partnered up with others that were more more experienced in the business because I didn't, I, you know, even though I have a legal background, I didn't know it all. Um, so I cut, cut my teeth working with other, you know, partnering up with other people who didn't know what they were doing. You know, expanded expanded that. As you grow a company, um, opportunities come your way. You want to make sure that they're ancillary to what you're doing, not shiny object. That uh, that can, you know, shiny object can get in the way of, of most investors at times. Um, but yeah, I mean, just being, you know, um, being grounded, right. I, you know, I still, when I'm raising capital for our next investment, I still get just excited when the wire comes in as I did back in 13 when I first, when I, you know, when I first started doing this, right. Um, that's, that's a key. Um, I've got a strong partnership. My business partner is on the analytical side of life, um, to our business. We complement each other very well. Um, a strong partnership is key, is key to this business. Can't. You can only do so much alone as a Lone Ranger. I've never, I've never had the necessity to be a Lone Ranger, nor would I want to be. Um, so I've got a great partnership there. We've got great staff. Uh, my asset manager is my right hand, right hand man, and he does a fantastic job. Um, said he, my business partner, Sidney Gershberg, has got his analyst team that helps him out as, as we've grown as a company and just taking advantage of the opportunities that come, that come forward. Come. So how, how do you find investors for the deals? First of all, money, money finds good deals. I mean, 
you know, uh, we put out a prospectus, uh, kind of a marketing tool of what our latest deal is. Um, so if you're on our, our mailing list, you get that. You don't get the privilege of being a guest on your show. Um, your listeners could have the opportunity to reach out to me and, and uh, we can have a conversation about what we do, how we do it, why we do it, kind of stuff. And really just, you know, I speak publicly. I speak at other, at other you know, meetings on, on real estate or related topics. So, you know, I, in that respect, I guess, you know, other than just the typical marketing things that everybody else does as far as getting your name out there, you know, and if you're speaking at a conference, you know, you're the hunted versus the hunter, which is great, um, you know, because you've got credibility and integrity and know and know what you're doing. You know, people come, people seek you out, as you know. Um, there's really no secrets. We don't do anything different. We don't have secret sauce what we do. Got it. Got it. And so what is your current focus and how do you see current market situation? You know, I'm asked that all the time. And while, you know, I have no crystal ball like anybody else, um, I I personally believe, um, I personally believe, I think my 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 business perception with the benefit of my company. See, see, we're I'm blessed. And what I mean by that is in the distressed mortgage notes, we are, I wouldn't necessarily say recession proof, but we're pretty, but we're pretty adaptable. What I mean by that is if there is a market correction, right, the value of the property, real property, real estate in general is going to go down a little, a little bit here and there, right? Or at least stay, stay the same. I'm not sure it's going to go down a lot from what I've what I've what I've read. But in that token, the price. Okay, we're buying loans right now. We've always, I've always been able to buy loans at a discount of somewhere between 30 to 60, 60 cents on the dollar. You know, six, more like 60% now in the last couple of years as, as, the, as the value of real estate has gone up, the pricing of notes have gone up a little bit. Pricing of the value of real estate goes, goes down a little bit. The value of the, 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 the purchase, the pricing of notes are gonna go down a little bit. So I'm always gonna be able to maintain those discounts. So I'm buying stuff at a discount. I'm able to maintain the discounts. And if the pricing goes down, my discounts are going to get a little larger. Okay. Now, having said all that, you know, we all can get scared. I mean, here's the thing. We all look at the market, look at the stock market, look at the real estate market, look at the inflation, look at unemployment, um, you know, look, look at the interest rates rising, all of that. Right. And you ask yourself, well, first of all, you know, some of us who are older, you know, bought our first house at, you know, at 10, 18% interest rates. And our parents probably did at certain times of their, of their life as well. And you're like, oh my God, my interest rate is 6%. And instead of being 3%, oh my God, the sky is gonna fall. Well, again, you, we've been spoiled, right? You can still make money with a 6% interest rate. Now, um, having said that, the, the key barometer that I believe is inventory. Interest rates can keep rising. Inflation can keep can keep you better everybody's mind. But as long as inventory in your market, in the, in the markets we invest in, whatever, stays tight, stays low, the demand for housing will stay strong. Yeah, your house may, may you know, you're not going to get, you know, 50 offers in a day at, you know, $300,000 over asking price, in the, in, in, you know, as, as we look forward to the rest, probably the rest of this year. But your house isn't going to say it was worth $300,000 today, it's worth $200,000 tomorrow. It's not going to rise and fall like the stock market, right, we, or crypto, right? You're going to stay about the same. In some markets, you're still going to see appreciation. It's not the double-digit appreciation we've seen, right? Because as long as inventory stays low, there's still there's still a demand. Investors, you know, can't find investment properties if there's no inventory out there, right? Um, I read a report where, you know, now that we're well past the moratoriums and all that, that the um, the sale, you know, the sheriff sales, the foreclosure sales are, you know, heating up in most jurisdictions. And, you know, you got more investors going, you know, you got the savvy investors who are now being able to go back to the sheriff sales, auction sales, as they're 
acquisition strategy, right? Which again, we get paid off through those, through those that kind of forum. And then you got your wannabe guys who are just learning the business that are now being, you know, having going, being able to go flock back to that, to that, uh, to the auctions, right? So you see, you know, oh my God, you know, foreclosure sales. I mean, we're still not at a foreclosure rate that we were. We've not gotten back to to, to 2006 levels of, of, of foreclosure rates yet, right? Um, there's always going to be any good markets. There's always going to be foreclosures, and we as and, and we as private investors, you know, we're a little more, you know closer tied to our investment, right? So if the borrower is not going to pay us, we're going to be much more aggressive than Bank of America to take that house to foreclosure because our cost of capitalism isn't as cheap as Bank of America. Got it, got it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing uh, your point of view also. Any of your personal habits that are helping you to be successful, Jay? Uh, personal habits. I mean, I guess, you know, I, I, I by, by desire, I'm a workaholic like, because I enjoy what I do. Pa- I have a passion for it and the passion has not wavered. As we've grown our company, and I've been doing this now uh, in August would be what nine years, uh, boy. And I got to tell you, you know, nine years has certainly flown flown by, right? I don't think I've gotten much older, at least mentally. Um, but you know, the, the time has flown has flown by because I truly enjoy what we what we do. Um, the ability to help our investors make money, um, they help keep keep borrowers in their homes, um, or you know, a couple of my whys. Um, you know, as far as that, I'm a, I'm a most organized person. I've got I've got a, a right hand man that does that keeps you organized. We have a software REI Blade that keeps our keeps organized. That we developed out of our necessity. Um, those are probably the, the key staples of, of what keeps keeps it you know keeps it flowing. Got it. So, on any books that impacted your life and what way? Interesting question. Um, not. I have not read. There's there's no seminal book. In the note investing space that I'm aware of, that's like you know, think and grow rich, and you know, invest, investors Bible kind of thing, right? Yeah. You know, there are some some guys that have put out books now and then. Um, you know, I I'm more of a of a you know, hands-on, do, learn things, do things by repetition. So I'm not a, really a book reader to go. Here's how I do this. I want I want to learn it. You know, stub my toe. You know, rip the bandaid off and move and move forward. Um, having said that. Um, my business partner and I are tied to a uh, what used to be a local real estate community here in Arizona, which is now the ability to Zoom nationwide. And I run all the mastermind programs inside that community, including we run our own out-of-state mastermind. And this is, you know, uh, inside that mastermind, irrespective of Scottsdale, um, my, my company, our members of our community have done over 100 deals themselves, raised over $3 million, taking down assets about over $7 million. Um, I'm answering your question this way. Inside that mastermind, we've developed our own curriculum. I would, I would say our own workbook, and we have spent some time. We hired a, we hired we, this last six months. We hired um, a writer, and we're now taking that workbook and, tra- and and creating it more as a book. So I don't know if, I'm gonna be, if it's going to be an Amazon bestseller, but it's probably going to be a pretty. It's going to be emulating what we do in the out of state mastermind. As far as how in depth we go into, into imparting our knowledge and experience, so people can do deals, and through that knowledge, experience, and that workbook, like I said, our members have done over ninety deals themselves. So, am I going to be? Is it going to be a seminal book to help real estate investors? Stay tuned. I don't know. Got it. Yeah. Good luck with that. And how, how can listeners can connect with you, Jay? So um, you can connect with us. Um, my email is J A Y at scottsdalerei.com. The REI stands for, as I said, 
uh, realestateinvestment.rei, the camping store. Um, my cell phone, which I will answer, is area code 714. I'm a transplant to Arizona from California about five years ago. 714-458-6317. Our website is, uh, you know, scottsdalerei.com. Um, we also have a podcast as well, um, Real Estate Mastermind, uh, www.remastermind.live. So that's kind of pretty much how you can connect, you know, probably connect with me on LinkedIn as well. Um, I'm not a huge Facebook or Instagram or that kind of social media guy, um, but that's pretty much how you can reach me. Awesome. And thank you very much, Jay. Thank you for uh, adding value to the show. Oh, my pleasure. Awesome. Thanks for listening to Multifamily AP360. Check out the show notes and grab the freebie on our website, ushacapital.com. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Follow me on my social media. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next time.